Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. Former President Trump made two major announcements today. One of them got a little ridicule from President Biden. Congress deals a blow to TikTok. The Chinese-owned app is under scrutiny from both sides of the aisle as the Senate passes a bill to ban it from federal devices. The House recently passed a bill to end the COVID vaccine mandate for the military. Today, a group of Republican senators urged President Biden to sign the bill into law. The federal government is suing Arizona over a makeshift border wall. The government says the wall was built illegally and harms the environment. We hear from an expert. Three men convicted in the plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer were sentenced today. Whitmer sent them a strong message ahead of the sentencing. And a school district in California has banned critical race theory. It joins another school district that banned CRT earlier this year. Today, former President Trump announced his plan to, quote, reclaim the right to free speech for all Americans. How will he do it and when? NTD's Arlene Richards has more. And reclaim is a very important word in this case because they've taken it away. Former President Trump is on a mission to do what he has said so many times needs to be done, drain the swamp. In a lengthy video message on Thursday, Trump detailed his plan to stop censorship. And here's my plan. First, within hours of my inauguration, I will sign an executive order banning any federal department or agency from colluding with any organization, business or person to censor, limit, categorize or impede the lawful speech of American citizens. And that's not all. I will then ban federal money from being used to label domestic speech as mis- or disinformation. And there's more. And I will begin the process of identifying and firing every federal bureaucrat who has engaged in domestic censorship, directly or indirectly. With but he's going to need a little help. I am urging House Republicans to immediately send preservation letters and we have to do this right now to the Biden administration, the Biden campaign, and every Silicon Valley tech giant, ordering them not to destroy evidence of censorship. The nearly seven-minute message listed a number of other actions he plans to execute to save the nation if he's re-elected president. Meanwhile, President Biden mocked the former president for his posting of a different announcement. Also on Thursday, Trump announced the rollout of his new digital trading card collection. Biden, tweeting on his personal account, said, I had some major announcements the last couple of weeks, too. He then listed notable achievements for the White House in recent days, including the release Brittany Griner and falling gas prices. Arlene Richards, NTD News. Popular video app TikTok is under intense scrutiny from lawmakers on Capitol Hill. The Senate has unanimously passed a bill to ban the app on federal devices. NTD's Melina Wisecup has more from Capitol Hill. 
So essentially what this bill does is it bans the use of the video sharing app TikTok from government devices and it goes even further than this also banning other applications that are developed by ByteDance which is TikTok's parent company and since this company does report directly to the Chinese Communist Party lawmakers both Republicans and Democrats have expressed national security concerns as a matter of fact FBI FBI's director was here in Congress testifying to lawmakers uh, saying that the use of TikTok in the United States is extremely concerning. Here's Senator Josh Hawley expressing exactly why this is the case as he probes one of TikTok's executives at a recent hearing. You have hundreds of employees with appears access to U.S. user data that may very well be members of the Chinese Communist Party. You have no way to assure me that they don't have access we to our own, to our citizens' data. So while the Senate has passed this ban, it would still need to go through the House in order for it to actually be enacted. But as of right now, it's not looking like it's going to happen before the end of this Congress. We're here with just one week left, bef left before lawmakers head out of town to conclude the 117th Congress. We heard from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on this issue. Here's where she stands and if she sees it as a priority. My understanding is that there are provisions in the bill that um, do not deter our ability to, shall we say, from an intelligence standpoint and the rest still be able to track what we need to track regarding China. I don't know that that will be on the agenda next week, but let's see. But it's very, it's, it's very, very important. And this bill has stalled in the House once before back in 2020, but some states are seeing this issue as an urgent one and uh, too urgent to wait for D.C. to act. In just the past two weeks, seven states have barred public employees from using TikTok on government devices. Some lawmakers here in D.C. want to go even further than this and ban TikTok completely from the U.S. Senator Marco Rubio this week introduced a bill to do just that. And that's a national security threat, but it's a direct threat to our way of life, our economics. It's allowed them to interfere in the midterm elections. This company should be banned. I don't know why they're allowed to operate in the United States. And while lawmakers are running out of time to push this during this Congress, we do expect to see more action in relation to TikTok during the next Congress. And that's especially the case considering the strong bipartisan consensus there is around this issue. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskup, NTD News. The Justice Department is suing Arizona over the state's temporary border wall made of shipping containers. The government says the state trespassed on federal property when constructing the wall. This summer, Arizona's Republican governor, Doug Ducey, started filling gaps in the border wall by double-stacking shipping containers. On Wednesday, the U.S. Justice Department filed a lawsuit against Arizona and the governor, arguing that the state is illegally using federal property. The suit reads, The United States brings this action to obtain appropriate relief for Arizona's unlawful continuing trespasses and invasions of the United States' paramount sovereign property rights. Never mind the fact that millions of illegal aliens trespass across the land every day and night. Laura Reese is the director of Border Security and Immigration at the Heritage Foundation. She tells NTD the government's trespassing argument and other points don't make sense to her. The lawsuit against Arizona was made on behalf of the U.S. Department of Agriculture and Interior. It says by installing the containers, Arizona harmed the environment by cutting down trees and degrading habitat. Harming the environment uh, by putting up this wall, again, never mind the fact that millions of illegal aliens 
uh, harm the environment when they cross illegally and leave behind uh, tons of garbage and trash. NTD reached out to the DOJ but hasn't heard back yet. The Department of Homeland Security announced a plan to fill in the gaps around a year ago. Ducey's office says Arizona is ready to work with them on that. In the meantime, the governor's office reportedly plans to continue building the makeshift wall, telling the Daily Signal, when you look at the amount of fentanyl that's coming across the border and the fact that fentanyl overdoses are a leading cause of death among young people in some of our border counties, as well as a growing problem nationally, of course Governor Ducey is not going to sit by and do nothing. Reese says it's not just fentanyl coming in. This isn't going to well end well for Americans. Uh, particularly when we have a million gotaways. While we see other immigrants turn themselves in and be processed in, uh, these gotaways do not want to be caught. They don't want their fingerprints taken. And we have to assume there are many convicted criminals among them and potentially uh, known and suspected terrorists as well. The governor will leave office in less than a month, after which Democrat Katie Hobbs is set to take over. It's not clear yet what exactly she plans to do with the containers. Reporting by Arian Pazdar, NTD News. And an updated border strategy from the Biden administration. What the White House says about it as Title 42 is expiring in just a few days. NTD's Iris Tao has more. The Department of Homeland Security has released an updated plan to prepare for a surge of illegal immigrants at the southern border. That says Title 42, a pandemic-era policy used to turn away millions of illegal immigrants, is set to expire next Wednesday. The plan made public this week includes staffing surges, accelerated processing of border crossers, more detention tents, and more prosecution of smugglers. But a six-point document contains no major structural changes from a similar plan released back in April. And today, when asked if the administration has an estimate of how many illegal immigrants are expected next week, here's the White House answer. I don't have an estimate to share. Uh, we are focused and we are prepared. Uh, we will have more to share in the next coming days. Republicans, meanwhile, accused the Biden administration of doing too little too late. He has no plan to deport the more than a million people who have active deportation orders in our country. And some Democrats also voicing concerns. Texas Congressman Henry Quayler joining Republicans and urging President Biden to check out the border. Just showing up at the border uh, would send a strong signal to the communities that uh, he's there. Even before Title 42 expires, Quitter says there are about 50,000 people already at the border waiting to get in. And according to CNN, DHS is projecting that once the policy ends, about 9,000 to 14,000 migrants could try to get into the country illegally each day. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. The House of Representatives recently passed a bill that will end the COVID vaccine mandate for the military. Next stop, the Senate and then the president's desk. NTD's Jason Perry has that story. Since the Department of Defense made the COVID vaccine mandatory for the military, thousands of service members have been kicked out of America's armed forces. And retired Army Sergeant First Class Eric Diggs says he was denied a military award for his deployment as seen on ABC 11. I did what my country asked me to do to say that because I don't have a vaccination, which is a choice, which I fought for people to have choices in this country um, to get it into a ward. Um, it's kind of it's kind of a little slap in the face. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said the federal government used misinformation to push the COVID vaccine mandates, telling everyone that if you get the vaccine, you won't get COVID. 
We still have Floridians, for example, who are serving active duty military. Some of those people uh, who didn't want to do it ended up getting kicked out of the United States military over not taking a shot that doesn't prevent you from getting COVID anyways. And so uh, there's so many things that were done uh, based on false information. House Republicans recently passed the defense spending bill, and it includes a provision that will end the COVID vaccine mandate for the military, but it still needs to pass the Senate to get to the president's desk. And we know that the complication risk, especially for young, healthy men, is extremely high from the vaccine, causing pericarditis and other autoimmune problems. And now we want to still kick them out of the military because they refused the vaccine? And I'm not even addressed natural immunity, that we knew all along natural immunity would be better than this vaccine. Senator Chuck Schumer was asked what he thought about the COVID vaccine mandate for the military. I will say COVID vaccines have saved lives. The military has had requirements about other vaccines for decades and there hasn't been a problem. Senator Angus King said on MSNBC that he thinks the mandate should stay in place. You know, uh, there's a process if people have a legitimate medical excuse or a religious, some kind of religious excuse, which uh, frankly I don't fully understand what that would be, but uh, there is a process where if people have some kind of medical problem that this would be a problem, they, they can avail themselves of, of an exemption. Senator Marsha Blackburn gave the approximate stats on how many of those exemptions get approved. With the Army, 0.0044 of the medical exemption requests are approved, and on the religious liberty, I think it is 0.0047 that are approved. If the bill passes the Senate, many think the president will go ahead and sign it. Jason Perry, NTD News. Three men convicted in the plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer were sentenced today. In October, a jury found Peter Musico, Joe Morrison, and Paul Beller guilty of providing material support for a terrorist act as members of a paramilitary group, the Wolverine Watchmen. Musico, who was convicted of two additional crimes, was sentenced to a minimum of 12 years. Morrison received a minimum of 10 years, and Beller received a minimum of seven years. Prior to the sentencing, Whitmer said in a recorded statement, quote, a conspiracy to kidnap and kill a sitting governor in the state of Michigan is a threat to democracy itself. A Southern California school district voted to ban critical race theory, or CRT, from its curriculum. Proponents of the ban say CRT is racist and that the history of racism can be taught in a more constructive way. The Temecula Valley Unified School Board voted 3-2 to two in favor of banning critical race theory on Tuesday. Can I call for the vote? All in favor? Aye. 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 All against? All opposed? Opposed. Opposed. Strongly opposed. Strongly opposed. Rulings passed three to two. Three of its newly elected members this year are conservative. Some of the things that are coming down with ethnic studies model curriculum um, and, and how we want our kids to be taught the history and the history of racism in this country. We need to have the conversations. They're valid. Um, we, we, we need to discuss these topics, but we need to do it in a constructive way. And I, I fully uh, support the resolution as written. The resolution states, critical race theory is rejected and will not constitute the basis for any instruction in the TVUSD. 
Both supporters and opponents of the resolution spoke during the public hearing. CRT is something that is not directly taught, but is, it is put into curriculum by activist teachers, sometimes in this district. TVUSD is not a place where we should see students be marginalized by their race. CRT does exactly that. My whole standpoint is that when we speak on the critical race theory, it is not only the theory that we're setting white people up to be guilty or we're trying to force guilt onto them. It's the theory of our history, my history, my ancestors, and how they came through this country. Temecula Valley is not the only school district that banned CRT. In April, the Placentia Yorba Linda Unified School District in Orange County passed a resolution to ban the theory. According to the website World Population Review, critical race theory is banned in seven states, Arkansas, Florida, Idaho, Iowa, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, and Tennessee. Coming up, doctors suing the state of New Mexico over a law that forces them to assist with suicides they say despite religious or conscientious objections. And in college sports, UCLA agreed to move to the Big Ten back in June, but had a major hurdle to pass first. NTD's Dave Martin has the latest on their decision. doctor and the Christian Medical and Dental Associations are suing the state of New Mexico. The doctors say a state law requires them to assist with suicides in ways that violate their religious convictions and professional ethics. Earlier today, I spoke with Kevin Terrio, a senior counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom, which is representing the plaintiffs. Kevin Terrio, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for joining us. It's good to be here. There seems to be more governments, both state and federal, trying to force medical practitioners to participate in assisted suicides. Alliance Defending Freedom recently filed a lawsuit in New Mexico seeking to protect a doctor's right to decline such a decree. Could you tell us about why this case is important? This case is vital because the government shouldn't be uh, able to coerce doctors to practice medicine in a way that violates medical ethics or their religious convictions. And um, this case is one of several that uh, have been going on. We have another one in California, and it's important to combat this effort to require doctors to practice in a way that violates their conscience. And ADF argues that this kind of requirement is unconstitutional. Could you explain more on that? Sure. Uh, New Mexico's law, for instance, requires doctors to actually participate in the assisted suicide process by either giving the patient information um, and or referring them to a organization or a physician that will actually give them the assisted suicide. So what that means is even if your religious convictions like Dr. Lacey's, our client Dr. Lacey's convictions, prohibit him from participating in assisted suicide in any way, he still has to under the law or he could lose his license. And the suit says the act inflicts irreparable harm on the doctors it's enforced on who are subject to criminal liability, licensing sanctions, or other professional disciplinary action if they object. What kinds of outcomes have you seen from laws like this? Well, the, the primary concern is that doctors will, will 
suppress their religious convictions because they're they're worried that they'll lose their license. And in other words, um, they will under protest participate in something that violates their consciences. And so that's what this law is all about. Uh, and that's what the case is about. And that's challenging a law that forces them or puts pressure on them to violate their religious principles. And of course, even the American Medical Association says that assisted suicide is incompatible with a physician's role as healer. And some argue that under the act, the health care provider must ensure the individual is not being coerced or unduly influenced. But Dr. Lacey, the plaintiff in this case, says that in his nearly 40 years of experience, terminally ill people are especially vulnerable to being manipulated. Could you speak to that? Sure. Um, oftentimes, the, those that are six months terminal, um, which, which are those that are eligible for assisted suicide, are under an enormous amount of pressure to, from their families, um, maybe even from the insurance company, to take the cheapest way out. And the, the good news is um, that doctors like Dr. Lacey can make the patient comfortable. There's no need for assisted suicide. And uh, the, the line that uh, assisted suicide is necessary to avoid pain is simple, simply a myth. Um, most assisted suicide, um, those who uh, participate in assisted suicide do so just because um, they're worried about pain or um, because of loss of independence. And you're representing a case, as you mentioned, on assisted suicide in California. How is it similar and how does it differ from this case? Yeah. It's very similar in the sense that both of these uh, laws in California and in New Mexico attempt to coerce doctors to uh, violate their convictions. And, and it's the government um, forcing a doctor to violate uh, their religious beliefs. And whenever that happens, you've got a constitutional problem. And um, for everyone who's concerned about freedom, um, they should be worried about this because the government shouldn't be able to force you to do something that violates um, your most sincerely held religious beliefs. And finally, Canada is expanding its categories for medically assisted suicide to include those with mental illness. And they're also considering allowing minors to do it. How concerned are you about how far this could go? We're very concerned because in places where assisted suicide has been around for a long time, like Belgium, um, they are actively euthanizing people over there because of minor concerns, like, for instance, they're alcoholics or they're depressed. And, uh, and of course, Canada is following along those lines. And so that's why um, we think it's important uh, in our clients, the Christian Medical Dental Associations, thinks it's important um, that we give uh, patients um, understanding um, medical care um, that helps them uh, make sure that they're comfortable, um, not urge them to kill themselves. All right, Kevin Terrio, Senior Counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom, thank you for your time. Appreciate you having me on today. And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Steph. UCLA is officially headed from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. Though USC and UCLA initially agreed to the move more than five months ago, in what was a shocking development, UCLA first needed approval from the University of California Board of Regents. The board approved the deal Wednesday, but with financial stipulations to the University of Cal Berkeley attached. 
Now UCLA and Cal are sister schools and because the loss of USC and UCLA and their massive LA market would significantly weaken the Pac-12 and thus lower the revenue Cal would receive from the conference, UCLA has to pay a subsidy reportedly between two and ten million dollars to their sister school. While the Big Ten recently agreed to a massive seven-year, seven billion dollar TV agreement, the Pac-12 is without a future one, so the subsidy amount has yet to be determined. And in soccer news, an Iranian soccer player reportedly faces the possibility of execution for quote, campaigning for women's rights and basic freedom in his country according to the International Federation of Professional Footballers. The 26-year-old player Amir Nazar Azadani was not a member of the World Cup squad, but had played professionally in Iran. He's been accused of being part of an armed group that was involved in the deaths of three security officers, according to state news agency IRNA. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, the NBA is a quadruple header planned, highlighted by a meeting between two of the best records in the league as the Milwaukee Bucks play at the Memphis Grizzlies. And in hockey, the NHL has 12 games on tap for tonight, including the Washington Capitals and star winger Alex Ovechkin, who's just one goal away from tying Gordie Howe for second place on the all-time list. They host the Dallas Stars. And finally, for you NFL fans, the San Francisco 49ers play at the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday Night Football. And that's a wrap for sports. Back to you, Steph. Thanks, Dave. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.